Oh, that damn look, Michael had to plug blog talk again. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to Dark Persuasions. I'm one of your hosts, Brad Hicks. Of course, joined along uh, in the beautiful Saline County area by Sean Castleberry. Sean, we went on the air last uh, last weekend. Of course, we had planned to do the West Memphis Three, uh, right. but you had watched a documentary uh, or a television series with William Shatner about a strange occurrence that took the lives of nine co- college hikers uh, back in 1959. So uh, right. I don't have my material in front of me right now. So if you want to kind of give the backstory, I'll kind of follow okay. your lead on this one for right now. Okay. So what we're talking about, uh, I was watching a show um, Unexplained Mysteries, I believe, with William Shatner. And this was about the Dyatlov Pass incident. And this is an incident that happened in Russia, which nine Russian hikers died in the northern Ural Mountains between uh, the 1st and 2nd of February in 1959. Now, the Russian government says that they died in uncertain circumstances. So, again, you have to think 1959, this is during the Cold War, and that's what the government told the people at the time. So, as you delve into the facts of the actual case, it just gets stranger and stranger and stranger. Um, This was a highly experienced tracking group. Uh, They were all from the UPI Ural Polytechnical Institute. They all had, were either students or had graduated from this college. Um, they all had their Series 2 certification uh, as far as hiking goes, and that's a big deal in the hiking world, uh, how that went, and they were all going for their Series 3. And there were 10 all together. One person actually uh, became ill and he left the party just before they actually went on the trek, and he was the lucky guy. The other nine were never seen from again, and that's that's the whole thing that we're going to be talking about tonight, getting into the whole story and what actually happened. Well, and Sean, I think one of the interesting caveats to this story is that that, that having occurred in 1959, so 60 years later, the Russian right. government opened up another investigation into the death. Of course, they ruled that that it was hypothermia, but that's where this gets interesting because as we progress through the story, you're going to see that there's anomalies that have occurred in their passing that kind of make you scratch your head, and we'll get into those as we go, obviously, but, you know, the fact that and there's things that you just can't explain. And, and if there is a caller on the line that could maybe have some forensic expertise or maybe knows a little bit about the subject, there is that one issue that I would like to know is how they came to the conclusion that the tent had been severed from the inside out. Right. Yeah, that was something that you and I both talked about. Uh, none of the information that I've read or seen or heard is exact or very clear on how they determined that the tent was cut from the inside. 
And that's something I'm really interested in. I want to know who made that determination and why. Because as far as we may know, someone could have slashed the tent from the outside, causing uh, that party to scatter the way that they did. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, We don't want to reveal too much uh, with the story. So getting back to who this group was, um, there were 10 uh, all together. They ranged in age from 20 years old all the way to 38 years old. The 38-year-old was a graduate, and he didn't know this group, but he was going along to get a certification with this other group. And uh, this group, they had all known each other for quite a while, and they had gone on many hikes together. So um, let's see, where am I at now on this? They, they were in the vicinity of the upper streams of the Lasva River. The route was approved uh, by the City Route Commission, and they confirmed that this group of 10 people were going that way. The goal of the expedition was to reach the Goria or Torton, a mountain 10 kilometers north of the site of the incident. This route in February was estimated as a Category 3, the most difficult. And again, they were trying to get their Category 3 certification. I think I missaid that earlier. Um, The group was issued their route books uh, on January 23rd. And that was the last that anyone saw them. So the expedition, they arrived by train in Evdel, a town in the center of the northern province of, uh, I can't even pronounce this, Sarbertkalist Oblast, in the early morning hours of the 25th of January, 1959. Then they took a truck to Visa, a lorry village that is the last inhabited settlement to the north. Now, there are groups of people that do live in this area. They're called the Mincy, and they are the locals that live in this area, and they're, they're more of a tribal people. So they're native to this area. Not quite like Native, you know, not like Native Americans, but they're native people to the area. Um, I don't think they're indigenous uh, like Eskimos or like Native Americans, but they've been there long enough that this is, you know, considered their area. Um, 27 January, they began their track towards the mountain. Uh, one of the members, Yuri Uden, he had suffered from several uh, health ailments, uh, rheumatism. He had a congenital heart defect. He turned back due to a knee and joint pain that made him unable to continue the hike. That's the one guy that actually made it from the group. The remaining group of nine people continued on the track. Now, this being found at the site, there were diaries and cameras found at their last campsite, which made it possible to track the group's route up to the day preceding the incident. On January 31st, the group arrived at the edge of a highland area and began to prepare for climbing. In a wooded valley, they cached surplus food and equipment that would be used for the trip back. The following day, the hikers started to move through the pass. It seems they planned to get over the pass and make camp for the next night on the opposite side. But because of worsening weather conditions, snowstorms, decreasing visibility, they lost their direction 
and they deviated west up towards the top of what was called um, the Dead Pass. When they realized their mistake, the group decided to stop and set up camp there on the slope of the mountain rather than move the 1.5 kilometers downhill to a forested area that would have offered some more shelter from the bad weather. Uh, Uden postulated that the Datla probably did not want to lose the ability, uh, the, I'm sorry, the altitude that they had gained, or uh, he decided to practice camping on the mountain slope. Uh, again, these were very experienced campers and hikers, so they were, they were trying to push it to the limits. So from that point, everything is speculation and mystery. Uh, once we start gathering the facts from the search parties of what happened, this story just gets weirder and weirder. It is, well, yeah, it's almost I unbelievable. I say, you know, when you talk about the weirdness of this story and the, and, it's, uh, and you talk about how this thing breaks down and the, and the way that the tree of possibilities expands, you know, there's at least, what, four or five different theories of how they met their demise. And, uh, uh, you know, there's some actually of them are 75. But, oh, there it sees. Well, I was, I guess according to what I was seeing, there was like really five major plausible ones, I right, guess you right. could say. But yes. that really delves into five, the more of the, the existence of. Right. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, four or five that are held to be legitimate, but there are 75 different uh, theories as far as what would happen uh, to these hikers. And they go anywhere from tornadoes to yetis, which is the abominable snowman or the snow Bigfoot, um, alien abduction, secret weapon experiments by the Russians, um, one of the hikers might have been a secret agent for the KGB and was found out, so he killed the rest of the group. But it doesn't make sense because, like, they all died. Um, just so many different theories. You know, people just trying to explain it. You know, like, they just took the dart and threw it at the dartboard and said, we're going to try this one today. And they just go down the list. The one that I think is the actual thing that happened is the most interesting theory to me. And we'll get to that later towards the end of the segment. But uh, it is a natural phenomenon, and it fascinates me. And I, I honestly believe that that's what actually happened. So, again, we'll get to that once we start going through the rest of the story and, and everything. So where are you at now, Brad? I am currently – oh, That was loud. Uh, I'm actually riding through uh, North Little Rock, uh, the luxurious Corona field, McCain Mall. Right. McCain Mall. Yeah. We all yeah. And, uh, you know what, Sean, before we go any yeah. further, you know, I would like to probably next Sunday, if we if we can – one of the things that I would like to talk about on this show, because of the mandated masks that we are about to be imposed upon here in the state of Arkansas, is maybe we can break down some of this coronavirus conspiracy okay. theories that are out there. I think that would be a good show. 
I think so too. I mean, there's so many that are out there. That would be a lot of fun. You know, and, yeah. and, and that stems from a meme I saw. But let's get—we we'll, don't want to get off track. But hey, you know, I right. listen to and I'll and I'll plug them. I'll plug them because they're like the number one podcast at one time. It's the folklore. Yeah, I like them. I, they, I listen to theirs. It's really good. Yeah, they have better voices than we do. So, uh, and they're Yankees. Oh yeah. So, so they don't sound as That's redneck wild. as we do. They probably don't drink Coors Light like I do while I'm uh, doing the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it was interesting. Uh, but they came to a lot of the same conclusions that I had already come to, and uh, you know, they're not smarter than me. So that made me feel a lot better. And I think they're younger well, too. I guess uh, they're they're not as old as we are. Right. Well, I guess what we could do, I guess, I, mean, I don't know how much further we're, you have in your timeline before we start talking theories, but, uh, you know, one of the more plausible theories to me was the weapons testing because, you know, we're talking about a different Soviet Union back then. Right, the Soviet Union. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're, we're not talking the- about... Yeah, this was during the height of the Cold War. War. Yeah, and there was a military base that was nearby. There were some mysterious orange lights that were seen in the area by another group that were 31 kilometers away. And those could have been flares. Those could have been, you know, rockets, missiles. Uh, There's all sorts of things that those things could have been. But they were also verified by the weather, the local weather station. Uh, that was in the area as well. So there definitely was something going on uh, that last night that they were there. Um, And then you mentioned, you know, because of the weaponized theory, uh, some but not all of the clothing of two of the members were highly irradiated, which means that they had a lot of radiation on two pieces of clothing on two different people. And not everyone. Just one was a belt and one was like a piece of cloth, and it was enough that they actually made a note of it. Well, and you know, the other thing that was interesting that falls into that category of weapon, the weaponization of this tragic event for these nine hikers was, is that they had said something to the effect that the bodies of these people that once they found them. They did not display the normal coloration of what would usually occur by hypothermia, that there was an orangish tint, I believe, to it. I, I'm trying to recall all of it. Yeah, because some, I'll be some, honest some, with some, you, I don't, some of the members I did not even had a, know this. Yeah, some of the members had an orange tint to their skin, much like uh, Trump. <laughs> Um, some of their hair was burned, not all of them. Some of the injuries that they sustained, crushed skull, some crushed ribs, but yet the outside of the body didn't show any type of physical damage on the skin. Um, and then a, a couple of the actual victims of the incident their brain matter was scrambled inside of their head. Not all of them, but just a couple of them. Uh, And then uh, two of the people, their eyes were missing, 
and one of the one of the women, her tongue was missing. So, I mean, that could be accounted for by predators, you know, crows, different things like that. You know, birds of prey might get in and, like, pull out the tongue or get the eyeballs. But, you know, for, for that to just happen to two of them. And, and, you know, another thing, too, when they found the first four bodies, it took them two months to find the other five bodies. So those bodies were out there for quite a while under nine feet of snow. So... One of the theories is that there was an avalanche, but the tent was not actually damaged or covered up like it should have been if there was an avalanche. So that yeah, was well, kind of strange. All the avalanche videos. And they also said that the footprints weren't disturbed as right. if that they had, you know, because we all know an avalanche is literally a falling bed of snow off of a mountain. So. And usually it covers everything up in its path, so. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all the footprints, so from 14 days from the time they went missing until they found the first uh, set of footprints were undisturbed. They found the four bodies. Now, the other five bodies they found under nine feet of snow further down away from where they found the others. Uh, where they found the first two bodies, it's really strange, too, is because they were barefoot, they only had partial clothing, and they were trying to start a fire. So that's weird. You know, why would they be trying to start a fire there? Why didn't they try to work their way back to the tent? What made everyone leave the tent? And some of them were barefoot. Most of them didn't have all of their clothes. Um, When they went to find the other five bodies away from the original four, um, it looked as if though some of them had taken clothing off the original four that had died. So there's another mystery that's just unexplained that we we have no clue why some of them took off the other, the clothes of the other people. Um, but they split off into two groups. So again, why did they split off into two groups? Um, why was one further away than the other? Why were two actually looking like that they were heading back towards the tent? You know, I mean, there's just so many unexplained things. It's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, going back to now that we're at that point, I guess one of the other anomalies that they've discussed was that the the, the sudden, and it tends to lead credence to the, why they were unclothed to the point they were in those temperatures and those conditions was that they made a hasty escape from their tents. And so maybe they've determined that those tents were cut from the inside out because there was no, maybe they didn't, un, they, the exit that you would usually use was undisturbed, I guess. I don't know. Right. You know, so like, the, the pictures that I've seen of the tent, this was a really small, flimsy tent. And one of the comments on one of the reports that I saw said that for, for, for that experience of hiking that they had, this Category 2, the way the tent was assembled was not done to the standard that would have been done. But, again, you're talking 14 days later. A lot of things can happen when things blow around. 
what is odd is that all of their equipment was inside the tent, including a stove that they brought with them that was still disassembled. They never assembled this. And, and we're talking weather that's, you know, up to 21 degrees, you know, negative 21 degrees. And they should have put this stove together. They should have had it going. And they should have had, you know, some warmth. Uh, but for whatever reason, they did not do that. And, again, for whatever reason, they all scattered from the tent. And we don't know why. Some people say it might have been an animal attack. Maybe a bear. But there are no tracks. Uh, some people say there might have been like a, a wolverine or a pack of wolves. Again, there are no tracks. When people say that it might have been uh, a covert military operation that may have come to the area and they saw something they weren't supposed to, again, there aren't any tracks unless they were covered up. Uh, and, and, but we're supposed to go by this, you know, Soviet military report from 1959 as well so how much of that can we actually trust too you can't really because i mean we know that i mean you know even in today's society they're so secretive in their military explorations on every continent but uh definitely back then with the cold war going on they're not going to divulge any information that can get especially if you got to think too like this is the thing that I guess factors into this too, Sean, that people, I guess, don't take into account is the secretiveness of all of this. We're talking, we're talking lunar secretive shit because, you know, we're still in a race to the moon between the United States and Russia. So who knows what the hell they were testing out there? If that right. What happened. You know, and that might have been what it was. Maybe it was some kind of military weapons testing. Maybe these people got caught up in the middle of it. Uh, it might be because, you know, that might be a reason why two of the pieces of article of clothing were eradicated. Um, the discoloration of the skin, some of the clothing was discolored to be purple. And that was an oddity, too. Not all of the clothing, but some of the clothing was discolored to be purple. So that's another oddity that they can't explain. Um, was it a nuclear test? Maybe they, maybe they were in their tents. Maybe it was in the, the middle of the night and someone dropped a nuke. The United States government hasn't confirmed such a thing. They had the technology to detect such things. So um, if it was, our government hasn't provided any information to say that that had actually happened. Well, you know, the, the flares that instantly discredits me from a nuclear thing is that, you know, we've all seen the footage from the deserts in America where we tested our own atomic bombs right. and things of that nature. And we obviously know that one of the main factors of a nuclear weapon and its impact on its target is this huge shockwave that it sends through that absolutely devastates anything in its path. So. Unless right. it was on the very outer edge of all of this, plus it was a mountainous terrain, I don't see that shockwave going uphill or, you know, so I don't know if that was it or if they were testing some kind of, you know, sound wave technology at that point. I mean, because let's be honest, I mean, they, they, I, I believe that even in 1959 there was a more advanced technology that was being discussed, not not saying that it's like you know some 
major conspiracy things, but so you know. think like maybe so you think like maybe reverse engineering on some alien technology or something? I wouldn't go that far. Uh, no, you know, but I mean, but you know, like you know, you had the you know, we've had AM radio since what the twenties. Yeah, which was no, a longer major than that. Technolog- yeah. a major technological advancement uh, that nobody thought feasible. Television right. was starting to make its way around the globe, and who would have thought in 1959 that you would be able to broadcast a picture from a remote location to homes across the country? So just, we just don't know. Right. Um. I mean, one interesting I mean, Sean, story. Let's be I, honest. I, I, yeah. In 1994, okay, that's that. And I got to go back to 1994 because, you know, we were still using bulletin board systems. We were still using uh, 14-4 bodies to use your home telephone service through, and you would connect right. to another modem, and then you had the telenet business that came across. And then eventually what would become the Internet uh, in its commercialized form. And that was in 1994. And we saw the invention of the cell phone. So to tell me that technology as advanced as it is today couldn't be what it is then, eh, who knows? Well, I mean, technology goes in leaps and bounds. Um, And this is an interesting story from when I was in the military. There was a particular piece of equipment that we were introduced to in 1992 and, you know, supposedly this was brand new technology, and we sat in this class, and we went through the training, and we went out to look at the equipment, and we opened it up. Now, maybe the label was mislabeled, but on every single one of the cases of this piece of equipment, it said it was manufactured the year I was born. You know, I'm 20 years old. Supposedly this thing is 20 years old that I'm looking at, but it's brand new, packed into this crate. Uh, Again, it might have been mislabeled. I don't know, but I just thought it was really odd, and I never forgot that. You know, it made me think of the uh, Indiana Jones warehouse, you know, like how much stuff did they have hidden in all the warehouses and everything like that. So I always thought that was kind of neat. I I, I just kind of suspected that it had been mislabeled, you know, because it was just a, you know, one one line off from the year that you know what it could have been. Yeah, it is, and that's the thing though. When it comes to military and government operations, there's we just we don't know. I mean, there we have no idea what's going on. You know, obviously a lot of things have matriculated out of of the Area 51 deal, and we're learning right. more and more about that as it comes across it. We right. didn't think was possible. Uh, with their military weapons and such. But going back to this uh, incident, uh, I think one of the things that struck me when, when, when they mentioned it on the podcast and then you just mentioned it here is the, they, there was, there, there, there also is the possibility that the indigenous people that inhabited the area could have right. slaughtered these people. I mean, obviously I go back, yeah. and, and, and I hate to correlate this, but, you know, to kind of give credence to my train of thought here, uh, it's the Blair Witch Syndrome to me. Something petrified these right. people 
to the point that they felt they had to escape and move their uh, away from the area. And that's right. and, where and the mystery gets really interesting. Well, that's why, you know, like I said, the, the theory that I grappled on to uh, makes the most sense to me, and it has a scientific basis to it. So uh, I'm going to hold that to last because I think that's the one that's the one that I've uh, I've put my thumbs up to that I think actually happened. But uh, you mentioned just a minute ago uh, Area 51 in Las Vegas. And we're both we're both big fans of uh, uh, the Coast to Coast show with Art Bell and uh, George Norrie, of course. And one thing that that he talked about when I lived in Las Vegas was Janet Airlines. And Janet Airlines is the airline that takes everybody from Las Vegas, Nevada to Area 51. And these are unmarked white jets. And Janet stands for just another non-existent, you know, uh, transport. And uh, I just, I, I thought that was funny because I happened to, you know, go by there one day and wasn't even looking for it. And I saw, well, those jets don't have any numbers on it. And they're all white. Oh, George Norrie was talking about that. Or Art Bell at the time was talking about that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, some things that they talk about on these shows and these podcasts, these unexplained mysteries and things, some of the things are real. You know, we know Area 51's real. Uh, we know that uh, a lot of people out there got cancer from what they were dealing with, and Bill Clinton signed a bill that protected the, the military base over the people that had the cancers uh, back in the 90s which was very unfortunate for those people that actually got that sick. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of secret stuff that goes on out there. A lot of military testing. Yeah, we don't know everything that they're doing out there. So it could just be a... Do we really want to know? Yeah, if I could go out there and actually see, I would like to know. I would like to debunk all the bullshit uh, as far as, like, they say that they reverse engineer alien technology. I don't believe that in the least bit. I don't think that anybody that had the ability to travel through interstellar space would waste their time on this rock full of, you know, barely evolved monkeys. I just don't think that would happen. You know, we still throw shit at each other. That's where, that's where I would tend to disagree. And the reason that I cited, and I don't know if that exists, that's a huge right. if, you know. But if that does exist, I think that she, the human race is a prime example. And God bless, 2020 is the ultimate microscopic slide to look at as far as it goes with, has, you know, Michael's uh, fan club there is talk, but. Uh, right. Now, um, well, 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 I mean, I don't deny, I don't deny the possibility of alien life. I think that you know, with billions and billions of stars and billions and billions of planets in this universe, there is other life in the universe. I don't deny that. I think that that's actual reality. Um, but to have the technology to travel through interstellar space, it would take such great quantities of energy and technology beyond our comprehension. Um, there is no reason for any advanced civilization to come here except to enslave us. Because when, when you look at, you know, uh, a more advanced civilization, time and time again throughout our history, the more advanced civilization enslaves those that aren't as advanced. And we did that through our history 
that's what we could expect. Many scientific, theoretical uh, physicists have actually said uh, if we ever have first contact, that's probably going to be the end for us because we're either going to become food or we're going to become slaves. Right. Well, Sean, I'm going to drop off the stream for a minute, but I will be available on Blog Talk. I just pulled up to the house. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and read some more about the search and discovery while you're doing that. Um, Before leaving, Jotloff had agreed that he would send a telegram to their sports club as soon as the group returned to Vizhaya. It was expected that this would happen no later than the 12th of February, but Dyatlov had told Yudin before he departed from the group that he expected it to be longer. When the 12th passed and no messages had been received, there was no immediate reaction, as delays of a few days were common with such expeditions. On the 20th of February, uh, the relatives of the travelers demanded a rescue operation. Now, the head of the institute and the college sent a bunch of college students out there that were uh, trained just as well or better than these hikers, and the local army and the militia actually got involved, as well as the Mincy uh, that were in the area, and these were the indigenous people that we were talking about. Um, So on February 26th, the searchers found the group's abandoned and badly damaged tent um, on Kalot, Kill, which, yeah, I'm, I'm slaughtering this. I don't know how to pronounce this at all. The campsite baffled the search party. Um, students who found the tent said that the tent was half torn down and covered with snow. It was, and all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. So there's kind of a contradiction in that sentence right there, that it was empty, but yet all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. So, yeah, we got we got a contradiction in the actual, you know, uh, investigative data right there. Investigators said that the tent had been cut open from the inside, but it does not say how they determined that. And that's one thing that Brad and I were talking about earlier. I really want to know how they determined that. Uh, nine sets of footprints, which there were nine people, were left by people who were wearing only socks or a single shoe. Four were even barefoot could be followed leading down towards the edge of the nearby woods on the opposite side of the pass. Now that right there alone would erase any type of uh, hypothesis that this was an avalanche because an avalanche that had gone over the camp like that would have erased all of their footprints. So um, 500 meters, these tracks were covered with snow At the forest edge under a large Siberian pine, the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire. There were the first of two bodies, shoeless and dressed only in their underwear. The branches of the trees were broken up to five meters high, suggesting that one of the skiers had climbed up to look for something, perhaps the camp. Between the pine and the camp, the searchers found three more corpses uh, who seemed to have died in poses suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent or heading towards that way, towards the fire, or towards the tent. Uh, They were found separately at distances of 300, 480, and 630 meters from the tree where the first two were found. 
finding the remaining four travelers took more than two months. They were finally found on the 4th of May under four meters of snow, which is 13 feet of snow, in a ravine 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree where the first two people were actually found. Three of those four were better dressed than the others, and there were signs that those who had died first had their clothes relinquished to them. Uh, they were wearing burned and torn trousers, and their shins were wrapped with uh, some of the torn jackets. So they had actually ripped some of the jackets, but some of the clothing was burned, and they couldn't explain that either, except that maybe the people that had originally made the fire, maybe they had some of their clothes, but they died. And so these people had taken their clothes and wrapped their shins with some of their clothes. So that's part of the speculation on that part right there. Now, the legal inquest started immediately after the first five bodies were found. Uh, They were all given an autopsy, and um, they concluded that they had all died from hyperthermia. One of them had a small crack in his skull, but it was not thought to be a fatal wound. Now, that is a little contradictive of some of the different podcasts and things that we have looked at and some of the other evidence from films and things where it actually said that the, the, the skull was caved in, but this actually says that, you know, he had a crack in his skull that was not thought to be found, you know, a fatal wound. Now I heard that on other, that it wasn't found to be a fatal wound. So maybe it was just a small crack. Um, the examination of the other four bodies that were found in May, shifted the narrative as to what may have occurred during the incident. Three of the skier hikers had fatal injuries, um, major skull damage, and major chest fractures. The force required to cause such damage would have been extremely high comparable to the force of a car crash. But notably, the bodies had no external wounds associated with the bone fractures, as if they'd been subjected to high levels of pressure so like what you would get like in the ocean. Uh, and that's where a lot of people speculate that this might have been some type of military weapon that might have affected them because it was just completely unexplained. Uh, such a mystery in a way, like how do you have fractured bones and a fractured skull, but you have, you know, no damage to, you know, the epidermis, the skin, you know, the muscle tissue, none of that. So when they, when they crack these bodies open – they weren't expecting to see the damage that they saw to the rib cages and to the skull. Um, that, that actually shocked them, and, you know, they made note to this. So that was something that was, again, a mystery. We don't know why that this had actually happened. Um, all four bodies at the bottom of the creek were in a running stream. They had soft tissue damage to their head and face. So... Uh, one of them was missing the tongue, eyes, part of the lips, uh, facial tissue, a uh, fragment of skull bone. Another one had eyeballs missing, uh, eye, tongue, eyes, part of the lips, as well as eyebrows. Um, and the injuries happened post-mortem due to the location of the bodies in the stream. So, again, that could have been scavengers. It could have been, you know, uh, crows. Uh, types of birds of prey, 
that came in and ate the eyes and started, you know, pulling at whatever meat they could get at. Again, we're talking negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was cold. Um, they, whatever animals that were out there probably got whatever they could off of these bodies. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. There was initial speculation that the indigenous Mansi people, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, reindeer herders uh, in the local area had attacked and murdered the group for encroaching upon their, their sacred lands. Now, some of these documentaries, some of these uh, forums and things that I have read, uh, this was not an area that they considered sacred. Some people say that they did. Some said it was a burial ground. Most said because this was called the, the Dead Pass, that it was just a place that the Mincy people avoided altogether. Um, there was something about this that they didn't like, and so they stayed away from it. Um, let's see. Initial speculation, yeah, the Mincy people might have had something to do with it. But, again, there weren't any tracks, uh, according to the official reports. So, again, do we trust those official reports or not? Only the hikers' footprints were visible, and they showed no signs of hand-to-hand struggle. Uh, well, and Sean, very, uh, yeah. Well, as I say too, Sean, is, uh, uh, sorry I left you there for a minute. I'm, I'm walking into the house now to get back on the stream, but okay. I think one of the things that that piqued my interest in in the theory uh, of the possible, you know, indigenous people there was that the the groups. They, it's like they split up, you know, and I noticed that in one of the documentaries that they were actually showing a uh, a map of where the bodies had been found, and right. they had said that, you know, a group was here and another group was here, and that yeah. was interesting to me that, that they did not stay together, that they split up, and then it's like maybe maybe the path was clear. The, the coast was clear, as they say, and they decided to come back uh, to to try to, you know, okay, what's well, gone. So who knows? But that also may lend credence to the fact that that it was more of something of an anomaly and not a human interaction, based on the fact that maybe because you you would think that if it was a group of of, of people attacking them, that they would have never left the area or scavenged what they wanted out of the campsite and then come back. But maybe the event that occurred, had it been a weapons test or an anomaly, maybe that had gone away and they were trying to make their way back and it was too late. (laughs) The ill effects of the, of the, of the climate had already taken its toll on them. Right. (laughs) I don't know. You know, that's one of those things that you just kind of, it's what makes this interesting, and I'm, I really am glad you brought this up to me the other day because I had no idea. In fact, I told Michael, I said, I, I did. I said, Michael, have you seen Sean's uh, uh, suggestion? I said, I don't even know what this shit's about. By the way, I want to thank everybody on the Dark Persuasions podcast page. We've had 35 new likes this week. We're up to a total of 95 right. in the three right. weeks that we've done this. So thank you so much for your support, uh, people. We, I do, we do appreciate it. Uh, we do. You, we do, and and you know, like tomorrow, you know, I'm no longer a part of that show, but there's the American Idiot show tomorrow, uh, eight o'clock. You guys are gonna talk, you know, y'all y'all talk politics and 
and current events, Politics and, and you try to keep events, it lighthearted. Yeah. But it's hard to yeah. be lighthearted to a degree, and, and so that was one of the decisions that I made. Is I just I didn't want to to be a part of the. I'm just tired of talking politics. I like doing what we're doing now, but I wanted to get that out there, clear and convincing. Heels for life. When and Tuesday if they night, ever yep. start wrestling again? Yeah. Uh, aftermath right. for ASWF will be on. Uh, a couple of other ideas that I need to get with Michael about. I've got a couple of guys that do a podcast that are looking for a home for it. Uh, and so I want to try to make that connection for, for the Talk Radio 49 deal. But, uh, but yeah, so but going, I'm, at, I'm at the computer. I'm trying to look up the message now so I can pull the stream up. Michael has sent me any. Okay. He sent me some weird stuff, Sean, telling you. I don't know what this is about. It's disturbing. Okay. Um, keep talking about it. I'm going to uh, walk away real quick and go grab me another beer. Ah, so, so anyway, so like we were, like what Sean was saying, there's there's so many theories and, and concerning this uh, this whole situation that that's going on, and I'm trying to connect back to the live stream as we speak. But uh, you know, the government. Oh my God! Hold on. Turn us, there we go. We're back. The government theory behind all of this is is uh, there are orbs on his screen. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, there are orbs on your screen, but uh, anyway, you know, going back to the the devil's past, you know, then they, they make they make a movie about it. Uh, it. Well, actually, they don't make a movie about it. They they make a movie about uh, the incident with it's kind of more or less the uh, what is it like the it's a 2013 Russian British horror film basically where they go up and, and to try to investigate the, the incident and it turns into this big horror right. movie probably a good movie yeah, but, kind of like uh, the Blair Witch. I've never seen it yeah but you know we were going back Sean I was just talking about you know trying to fill in there and uh, they go back and, and, and they've done some testing um, you know, I was looking at uh, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page at the the possible explanations. Of course, is the avalanche they had a repeated 2015 right. investigation. Uh, right. You know, the the one that I was thinking was hypothesized was popularized in Donnie Eckler's 2013 book called Dead Mountain. Is that uh-huh. the wind going around the Colot Cycle created a Carmen Vortex yeah. Street? which could yeah. produce in, infrasound capable of inducing panic attacks yeah. in humans. According to this theory, the, the sound generated by the wind as it passed over the top of the Holotachi Mountain was responsible for causing yes. that physical discomfort and mental distress, which is really plausible if you think about how it happened, yes. because in that claim, they're panicked. The hikers were driven to leave the tent by whatever means necessary, and then they fled down the slope. By which time they were yes. further down the hill, they would have been out of the sound path and it would have regained their composure, but in the darkness would have been able to return to their shelter, which uh, the traumatic injuries suffered by the three victims were the result of their stumbling over the ledge of a ravine in the darkness and landing on the rocks at the bottom. I mean, that's right. that's plausible in itself. See, that's the theory that I hold to the most because when you look at these low frequency sounds they're just below uh the range of human hearing and it causes uh feelings of dread it causes paranoia it causes nausea it causes sickness um it just it makes you 
insane, temporarily insane. Are we, so, can I, uh, Sean, I can, think, I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Are we talking about the, are we talking about the dollar talk past or my last marriage? Both, actually. Yeah, and mine too. <laughs> I got those uh, same yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, number three for me. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, oh. just, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh-oh, I got to go check on a uh, kid upstairs. I'll be right back. Okay. So, so uh, our wonderful producer with the carbon vortex theory. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to, to think about, of course, you know, uh, the military testing that we talked about, uh, speculation does exist that the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. And basically that's where the hikers were woken by a loud explosion, fled the tent in a shoeless panic, and found themselves unable to return for supply retrieval, for which some of the members were, were frozen to death attempting to endure the bombardment. Now, others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. These are indeed records. Of, there are indeed records of the parachute mines being tested by the military in the area around the time that the hikers were there. Parachute mines detonate while still in the air rather than upon striking the earth and produce signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. Uh, heavy oh, internal damage with comparable... Okay, yeah, well, I was going through the testing, Sean. Uh, this is interesting, and, and this is this is this is really interesting, actually. Uh, there is that speculation of a parachute mine exercise. Uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. They I would... saw that uh, that podcast that you that you sent me to that you mentioned earlier. They talked about that, the parachute mine. And they're actually, according to Wikipedia, which we know is edited, but they do check it for factuality is that there are records of parachute mines being tested by the military in that area around the time the hikers were there. Yeah. And so... So it could have been something people, like that. Yeah, because what they're saying is that the parachute mine will detonate while in the air rather than upon the Earth's surface and it produces signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers, heavily internal with comparably less external trauma. And they're saying right. that they were woken by the loud explosion, fled the tent in a shoeless panic, and found themselves unable to return after some right. members froze to death attempting to endure the bombardment. Um, now, the theory does coincide with, with that glowing orange orbs floating or falling in the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers and right. allegedly photographed by them. So they have photographs, allegedly, of these, of military what, aircraft. Yeah, it, it's one photograph. And it, it's of a bright light coming coming from like an angle, and it's unexplained because there shouldn't have been anything out there like that. So they think that it might have been some kind of a you know flare or something like that. But again, you know, they, they don't know a hundred percent. But I I like that theory. I like that theory a lot because uh, it, it, if one of those mines came down close enough to to any of the victims. That would explain those types of injuries that they actually sustained. That would explain that 100%. And, you know, they say, too, Sean, when you go back to the radiological testing, that the disbursement of the radioactive material would have affected all of the hikers and the equipment instead of just some of it, and that the skin right. and hair discoloration can be explained by a natural process of mummification after three months of exposure to the cold and the wind. Okay. I didn't know that. 
furthermore, the initial suppression of files regarding the group's disappearance by Soviet authorities is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up. But the concealment of information regarding domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR and therefore far from peculiar. And by the late 80s, all of the dialogue files had been released in some manner. So, I mean, they've, 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 they've released the information at this point. As much as we know that may not have been redacted or could have been redacted, we just don't know. Uh, I don't know anything about Soviet intelligence. I don't know anything about how they reported things or put things out there. Um, I just know at the time uh, we were in the Cold War, so just like we redacted and we kept a lot of things secret, like the JFK assassination, different things like that, um, they were they were just as secretive as we were. And it makes yes. sense. You, know, you, have, you, you have some weird thing that happens up in your mountains and you can't explain it. You don't want people knowing about that. That might be something that might kill everybody, right? Well, and you know, you, you know, and you too, too, you don't want to give your uh, competitors, uh, and, and I speak of the United States military, you don't want to give them a heads up because we're living in different times. I mean, we were living in, in a time where we were, you know, we were under fear of a nuclear bombardment, the Cold War. You know, the Russians were going to take out the United States. The United States were going to take out the Russians. It was going to be mass hysteria. And so you don't want to give up your hand, especially in, back in those days, uh, because the technology was what it was. It's not like now. Uh, see, I don't know where the random siren came from, so I, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Oh, that, 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 that was one of my kids' toys. Sorry. I thought maybe we had some... Dial-a-talk pass incidents happening as we spoke But I'm, I'm dressed And that's why Brad does not sleep uh, In his underwear For incidents of that nature If I'm awoken and I need to be ready to go Damn it, we're happening It's happening, I'm not, I'm not having to get dressed Right, but I, I guarantee you If you look at Brad, he's wearing a t-shirt He's Winnie, he's Winnie the Pooh in it from the bottom down <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Well you know, funny story is we were we were in Dallas, Texas, uh, during uh, one of the Razorback games where they played A and M, and we're in the hotel, and it's two o'clock in the morning, and we're on like the third or fourth floor of this really nice hotel, and the fire alarm goes off, right? And like, here I am, dude, like legit, I'm packing up my laptop, I'm packing up my uh, clothes, I'm putting my pants and shit on. And the person that I was with, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, look, we're going to have to go outside. I'm not going to be standing out in Dallas, Texas, and nothing but a pair of, you know, it's not happening. And, and I'm not losing my computer to a fire, okay? I've seen uh, right. the towering inferno. It's, you know what I'm <laughs> I'm getting my shit. You can promise you that. Right. But, I mean, but you go back, though, uh, the panic, the, the, that's what's intriguing about that to me, Sean, is the panic. That that apparently set in with these. I mean, these are level two hikers, I guess. So, what are they? One level away from being like complete masters of yeah, the of the. Yeah. yeah, they would they would have been considered what you call you a Jedi master in hiking at that point. Uh, hmm. Back in that day in Russia, uh, it was the highest level of category that you could get. This was an extremely difficult hike, and you know, I mean, this is something people do in this area. I mean. 
fucking Siberia, man. I mean, what else do you do out there? There's well, nothing else you know, to do. I guess if we wanted to take it and to to a degree, you know, one of the things, what is it? Is it is it Mount Everest, Sean, where they still have where you can climb Mount Everest and you will literally pass dead bodies that didn't yes, make Mount it Everest and they just and, can't recover them? Yeah, they're at they're at Mount Everest and K two. Um, the two highest peaks in the world, and I'm sure on the third highest peak in the world, there are people that have died, and they can't recover the bodies. So they're there, and some of them are, you know, just frozen. Yeah. And uh, the, the, go ahead. Oh no, no, I was just, I was just reading the. Uh, this is. Uh, Paradoxal undressing. Because I don't want anybody on the show to be able to hear you. What is that? (laughs) Hey, Michael. Because I can hear you. The live stream has no audio. (laughs) I forgot you, Michael. Right? The, the 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 benefits of live live radio is amazing, amazing. Well, Sean, I, I wanted to ask you this. I'm reading this this paradoxical undressing. It says International Science Times posted that the hiker's deaths were caused by hypothermia, which can induce a behavior known as paradoxical undressing, in which hypothermic subjects remove their clothes in response to perceived feelings of burning warmth. It is undisputed right. that six of the nine hikers died of hypothermia. However, others right. in the group appear to have acquired additional clothing from those who'd already died, which suggests that they yeah. were a they were of sound enough mind to try and add layers. So, huh. yeah, like I said, this just it, the, the mystery just builds and builds and builds and builds, and it doesn't stop. You know. Uh, all these weird things that happened. Why why some of them had burnt hair, some of them didn't. Why some of them had, you know, broken bones and a fractured skull and some didn't. You know, uh, only one person's, uh, I I, I misquoted earlier, it was only one person's clothing that was, uh, you know, that had the radiation on it. It wasn't two. So why did one have radiation on his clothes and none of the other eight have it on there, you know? A couple of them had their eyes taken away. Don't know why. You know, uh, well, it just right, it, right. it never ends. And so here we are, Sean. We've we've reached the first hour of the show, um, and we've talked about what we know from 1959. Uh, I say we get into this investigation in 2015. Um, right. If that's something, you know, unless you're ready, unless you got some other. You know, because it's interesting to me that uh, at uh, the review of the 59 investigation completed in 2015 to 2019 by experienced investigators from the ICRF or the Investigative Committee of the Russian Federation on request of the families, they did confirm the avalanche with several important details added. Now... One of the investigators was an experienced alpinist. I'm guessing that's a that's a hiker in the alpine type environment. Uh, confirmed that the weather on the night of the tragedy had 
Hurricane force winds of 20 to 30 meters per second or 45 to 67 miles an hour, and that a snowstorm and temperatures reaching 40 degrees, negative 40 degrees Celsius, these factors weren't considered by the 1959 investigators who arrived at the scene of the accident three weeks later when the weather had much improved and any remains of the snowslide settled down and had been covered with fresh snowfall. But they're saying that the harsh weather at the same time played a critical role in the events of the tragic night, which had been re- has been reconstructed as follows. So they've reconstructed the, the event, Sean. I don't know if you've seen that or not. No. So, and I'll, let, I'll, I'll read them bullet point by bullet point, and, and I'll, once I finish it, I'll, if you'd like to comment on it, uh, it says, on February 1st, the group arrives at the Kolot Sakil Mountain, and I probably screwed that up, but, and erected a very large nine-person tent on an open slope without any natural barriers such as forest, and on the day and a few preceding days, a heavy snowfall continued with strong winds and frost. So that's the, I guess, the first day that they were at the at the at the site. Right. Okay. The second point says that the group traversing through the slope and digging in the tent into the snow weakens the base. During the night, the snow field above the tent starts to slide down slowly under the weight of the new snow, gradually pushing on the tent fabric starting from the entrance. The group wakes up and starts evacuation in panic with only some able to put on warm clothes since the entrance was blocked. The group escapes through a hole cut in the tent fabric and descends the slope to find a place perceived as safe from the avalanche only 1,500 meters down at the forest border. So, so that answers that cut theory, I guess, is how they make that assumption. The entrance was blocked. By snowfall, so now we kind of have an idea of where they're coming up with that basis. Okay. The next bullet point would say that some of the members having very incomplete clothes, the group splits. Two of the group, only in their underwear and pajamas, were found at the Siberian pine tree near a fire pit. Their bodies were found first and confirmed to have died from hypothermia. Okay, so there's so that would be... However many you found there. Uh, The next bullet point would say that the three hikers, including Diatov, attempted to climb back to the tent, possibly to get sleeping bags. They had better clothes than those at the fireplace, but still quite light, and their footwear was incomplete. The bodies were found at various places, ranging from 300 to 600 meters from the fire, in poses suggesting they fell of exhaustion while trying to climb in deep snow in extremely cold weather. Right. And then the remaining four equipped with warm clothes and footwear were trying to find or build a better camping place in the forest further down the slope. And their bodies were found 70 meters from the fireplace under several meters thick layer of snow and with traumas indicating they fell into a snow hole formed above a stream. These bodies were only found after two months. So, you know, there's there's their recount of the, of the events that occurred on 2015, which... I mean, it sounds sounds well constructed. Sounds very feasible. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, and that's the thing, you know, all of these theories, some of them have really good science behind them. Some of them have really good reasoning behind them. 
But then again, you have all these other different theories, and you're like, oh, but that one makes sense too. You just don't, you don't know. You know, it's like the Mincy attack. All these people said, well, maybe the Mincy attacked all these people. Well, there weren't any other tracks. These are known to be peaceable, you know, very peaceful people, pacifists even, you know, be exact. Uh, and that, you know, they, that wasn't a sacred, you know, area for them. So there was no reason for them to attack. Right. And, you know, the, the investigation claims that the group's leader did not have experience uh, when it came right. to, you know, bad weather and uh, in those conditions and that they shouldn't have ever split up. They should have found a temporary place down in the forest and tried to survive through the night. And they also say that the negligence of the 59 investigators, 1959 investigators, contributed to the report, creating more questions and answers and inspiring numerous conspiracy theories, which obviously in an incident like this, there's always going to be a conspiracy theory that, that, uh, right. that occurs. Uh, when it when it goes down, but it, it is interesting. It is definitely interesting. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know another thing too is that you know of the pictures that you actually see that they recovered. How do we know how many pictures were actually taken? Because we don't know. And the diaries that were written, you know, up until that day, how do we know there wasn't more written? You know, they may not have died right away. Maybe one of them actually grabbed a diary and actually, you know, talked about what actually happened. You know, we we just don't know. And what's interesting, too, Sean, is is to give our listeners some perspective on on this. I'm going to, if our producer is still around and available, I want to send him a photograph that he can put on the stream itself. This is going to be right. this. This I'm on this website here. This camera, this footage, is uh, frames 31 and 32 of the Kravinsko camera, and it's showing. Now, obviously, this is in 1959, so uh, I shared it with our. I'm sharing it with our uh, deal, so maybe he could put that on the screen for our listeners to see. Uh, and it should have sent it. I don't know what's happening here. But this this right here is what they would have seen uh, in their uh, in their, their what they were traversing through, which is really Sean. If you look at this, uh, and I'll send you this report too. You probably may have already seen it, but uh-huh. maybe maybe Michael can let me know if he's going to be able to put that on there. But this has some pictures and, and autopsy reports and such. Okay. Uh, and unedited footage that I just sent it to you. Uh, the last picture of the Dalatov Pass incident was from 33. We don't know. It's an unknown camera and a shot, obviously. And it's, you know, it, of course, it's dark. There's the, the camera setups are not that good. Right, but, right. You know, there's a map of the victims, uh, where they found the bodies, uh, false facts about the incident. We could talk about those. Um, Frame 33 you know, Yeah that bright flash yeah, Nobody yeah. knows what that is No and, 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 and so So Sean you know if you go on that Maybe we could talk about some of the, the False facts about the incident Maybe uh, You know one of the One of the things that tells me 
there were no expressions of fear or horror on their faces when they died. Uh, is that is that you know, from, was that actually reported? Yeah, this is. Uh, these are facts that are true. Uh, these are facts that have been circulated in the investigation. Huh. Uh, I, I hadn't read that, that one. Yeah, there was no expression of fear or horror. The skin was color was different, but the tone was consistent with normal decomposition. Okay. Um, no expression of horror. The skin later, color was different. Yeah, and Michael is showing those on the on the stream now, Sean, so our listeners can see. This is what they were dealing with. I mean, if you look at that picture, I mean that. Yeah. It's not like they were out in the open. Uh, yeah, that's an actual picture. Yes, and and there's more that we can put up there too. But uh, you know, another one is the ultrasound theory is cute, but the retreat from a tent wasn't so chaotic. As far as we know, no one was running as members stayed together. They were organized. Right. A flashlight was taken, presumably by the group, and abandoned 400 meters since its batteries were dead. These are actions of an organized people who were thinking straight. Whatever caused them to flee was destructive enough, was destructive enough, but it didn't not to lose their mind. So they, so so it's showing that plausibility that that these people were of sound mind when they left. Um, and I didn't, I don't understand this theory about the metal pieces from planes are from later crashed in the area. They were not present at the time of the past incident. At least search parties didn't record any findings. So, I mean. Yeah, there was supposedly some kind of plane crash that happened in that area around the same time. Uh, That was on one of the podcasts that I actually looked at. But they they vaguely talked about it. No one actually, like, confirmed anything. Um, I like how this says the ultrasound theory is cute but the retreat from the tent wasn't chaotic. So as far as we know, no one was running as members stayed together. The group was organized, and a flashlight was taken by the group. Even though it didn't work, it was abandoned about 400 meters since the batteries were dead. Um, wow. I mean, they're, they're, gosh. Uh, this section is destined to get longer. Okay, so that's what that was talking about. So I was just reading off of what you were reading on. Uh, from that point right there. Um, man. Uh, anyway, uh, if anybody is listening to the show tonight, especially our uh, our favorite uh, prisoner there in Cummins, uh, please give us a call at one three four seven nine eight nine one one seven one. We'd love to hear what you think about the Fiat uh, Log incident that happened 60 years ago in Russia. Um, or if you, you know, just want to talk just... about anything, you know, we're... we're, we're... <laughs> I mean, well, and I don't mean that in, in, in any, you know, but, but like I said, we have a set premise for the show, but we can go anywhere right. with it. You know, that's what we do. Right, right. Um, you know, and like some, I got my headset caught. Technical okay. error. <laughs> you know, and, and I think that that's one of the things that we that we do, you know, this is, you know, I was going to watch that movie, The Devil's Past, but. When I actually found out that it wasn't, oh, actually, Sean, and I don't know if you'd be interested in doing it, but now, you know, Art Bell moved on to Dark Matters uh, deal. Uh, 
on an August 25th, 2012 episode of Dark Matters Twisted But True, there's a mm-hmm. segment called Cold War Cold Case in which they discuss the uh, this this whole incident. Uh, there's incident. a film. Yeah, there's a there's a film directed by Renee Harlan, released on the 28th of 2013, called the Diatlov Pass Incident. So there's plenty of information if if you want to go out and yeah. check it out. Definitely, you can. Um, and then, of course, there was a reality television show that they did a two-hour special in April 2013 where it was featured on there as well. So, uh, you know, and of course, a couple of other books about it as well. So it's kind of neat. I mean, this I mean, is what, I hadn't heard this is one of the it. right. This is one of the great, um, you know, the great mysteries, unsolved mysteries of the 20th century. And uh, oh. it's been on so many different, you know, unexplained shows, paranormal shows, uh, documentaries, books. I mean, you name it, people have looked into this. Uh, like I said, uh, Investigation Discovery, they did a, an episode on it. And, you know, the guy actually went there. Uh, the guy's name is Josh. And he went there and he met someone who actually did like 20 years worth of investigation in trying to find out what happened and came to the same conclusions that we had, uh, basically that nobody knows what actually happened, but there are a lot of cool theories. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to change now from what, you know, that whole sound theory before I like the theory of the descending, uh, minds. I think that's more, a more realistic theory than anything else. Maybe the military was out there, and they didn't know that those kids were there. They threw those mines out with those parachutes. They started going off, and everybody kind of, like, took off. And uh, a couple of them got hit by those. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and I'll answer the question on how they, they came to the theory of that, the tent. is uh, Initially, this fact was overlooked, but a woman who worked for the police department laundry services clearly identified that the damage came from inside. Her explanation was simple and ingenious. She looked on the inside of the group tent and saw several cuts made to the inside surface. Not all of these cuts made it all the way through the canvas, but it gave an idea of the location of a person or persons who did it. So that's how they determined that the cuts came. Yeah, I was reading down uh, on that summary of strange, mysterious, and unexplained facts surrounding the incident. Right. And you can read a couple of them, you know, on here too if you'd like. But that's how they came up with it. Uh No, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that you that, found that because that was that was a one piece of evidence out of all of it that that disturbed me the most. How do they fucking know? I just didn't well, have a clue you know, as, as well, I was going to say today you can get to the dot lost pass by foot, helicopter and even by car. So Yeah, yeah, they only shut it down for 3 years uh back in 1959 after this actually happened and then it was opened back up again. So like, yeah, if we had the money and the resources to go there, we could actually go there and actually recreate this incident. If that's something that we were interested in, uh, I'm not really interested in going there. That's just me personally. Cause I'm not big into, you know, alien abductions and Bigfoots and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't know. If somebody wants to, uh, sponsor us to go there. I guess we're going to go. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Mountain Dew would sponsor it. I chug enough of those. Um, or Coors Light, or just pay me. 
just pay me hey. and, and I'll say that I went. I'll put a green screen up. Turn the air on 59 and kick it. I'm in Siberia. It's so cold. I'm in Siberia and <laughs> there's a Yeti. Oh, wait, that's my uh, ex mother in law. Sorry. That's Michael. Sorry, Michael. <laughs> he is the white hair enough to be a Yeti. Right. Look at, have you noticed Michael's screen over here, by the way? Yeah, the dark persuasion thing. I love that. Look, look, it's 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 like the talking orb. Yeah, it pulses. Yeah, I think it it pulses when you talk. I don't think it does it when I talk, but I like it. I think that's really cool. He's gonna have I'm to start doing that during our other show. You make Michael pulse, Sean. It's weird. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Oh wait. Ugh. Sorry. That was pretty gross. If you notice in the private chat too, he has to be all professional. It says producer. Oh wait, it says uh, it does because my microphone on my computer is picking up audio. Yeah, well, guess what? It robs in a way that we're not talking, so you must be spanking it over there, Michael. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, and I mean, uh, it's interesting this whole thing, though. And I mean, I guess, I guess I could buy the snowfall theory if it was a slow moving. You know, I've seen the videos on about the avalanches, and I'm not sure that I buy the whole. Maybe it wasn't a major, massive, quick avalanche. Maybe it was a slow mover. But it doesn't explain right. to me, Sean, that their footprints weren't tarnished at all. I mean, you would figure an avalanche would cover and the tent would be taken care of. I don't know. I'd have to. I've never seen yeah, a picture co- of the actual tent. Uh, there is a partial picture of the tent. On one of those pictures that you that you posted earlier, and it it's a very thin tent. It's very small. Um, it doesn't look like it would actually hold nine people. But I don't know. I mean, these are Russians back in the day, back in uh, you know the Soviet Union. So maybe 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 they actually could get that to actually work for all of them. Uh, maybe it's bigger than what the the photograph actually appears. I'm not sure. But it is ripped. There is a cut going down the side of it. So that that's why I had so many questions about that, if that actually happened that way or not. So, But I'm glad that the lady actually uh, clarified that, that, uh, you know, she saw cuts on the inside and then the one cut on the, you know, the one that went all the way through. So that helps me out quite a bit. Okay, well, now I'm looking at this Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, where it shows the Dilatov pass case. And I'm looking at this tent, and it's covered in snow, and it's broken down to where it's hardly anything. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but this is where they opened the case up again 60 years ago. They've opened the case up this year. Um, Now, the 10th member of the excursion... Turning back at real, he died in 2013 at the age of 75. So, but now here's what's interesting: 
After the investigation concluded that an unknown compelling force had caused the deaths, numerous theories, including conspiracies, have circulated. So that was the original finding, and that's where we're at right now, is that an unknown compelling force had had uh, right. taken the lives of these people. So, you know, you pretty much haven't, you know, now you figure out why they said that this, this had happened. Um Information about the case was classified by the Soviets until 1970. Of course, we don't know what was left and what was not, you know, to to be dispersed through the public at the time. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I'm not I mean, trying to, is, you know. This is well, the, the USSR back in the, you know, in the in the 1950s. So we don't know exactly what what was shared. But here's here's something interesting, is that. Uh, here in America, we have our own incident like this called the Yuba County Five, where a uh, young man from Yuba County, California, and they all had a mild intellectual disability or psychiatric condition who attended a basketball college game at California State uh, University in Chico on the night of February 24, 1978. Uh, they all went missing. In a very similar incident There's also another Russian incident That happened in 1973 uh, Where 10 ski hikers Died in a very Similar incident So this is uh, this is not just uh, You know To the Incident that we've been Talking about this has happened two other times uh, In the 1970s 20 years later, after the 1959 original incident that happened. So that's kind of that's kind of weird and interesting. I didn't know that. Well, and another, Sean, an interesting thing that I'm, if you go to dilatoffpass.com, it's a whole information, they're, they're talking yeah. about the watches that they found on the, oh, yeah. on the victims. There and were pictures of that, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the watches right now. Uh, on the lower third portion of the left forearm, there is a Zavada brand watch. The hands of the watch show 531. <clears throat> on his hand, Dilatov was wearing a wristwatch that stopped at 531. Zavada's wristwatch stops at 531. Uh, right. So, and, and I'm trying to read... Uh, a couple of them are at 9.15, 8.39, and I was trying to go back to what it's basically saying here is that the times of the watches found on the bodies are so close that researchers start experimenting with manual wind watches put in similar conditions, and they found a correlation between the time a person freezes to death and when the watch on their wrist stops working. So that's interesting. Of course, you have the you have the injuries, clothing, and belongings belongings of the Diatov group, which right. they had burned hair, traces of dried blood around the nose, reddish brown bruises, gray foam around the mouth, hemorrhaging and swelling. They had abrasions and scratches on the arms, soft tissue swelling on the arms, a dark purple tissue around the fingers, contamination allegedly from suet. On the knee, abrasion and scratches on the uh, shins, a dark purple tissue around the toes, swollen yep. brown red tissue on the on the hand, 
the clothing was very, very what would be like something you would wear. And this was on uh, Yuri Doroshenko, uh, the the back of the wrist being swollen on one of them. These are all the autopsy reports by each individual person, including the female. Uh, right. Two females. So there were two there. Two females. But it's interesting, though, you know, like, and then you had Alexander Kolotov, who he had absence of soft tissue and exposure of the skull in the area of the orbits and I don't even know. Um, but most of his body was, and you, and you see the clothing that he had on and the difference in, in the clothing that each one of these particular people had. Uh, yes. So it's interesting. It really is. This is a really interesting website as far as, you know, the what could have potentially happened. I mean, if There's you look so at all those old photographs, yeah, if you look at all those old photographs of these people on their trek and on their way, um, one of the things that really shocks me is average temperature was negative 12 degrees Fahrenheit. And what they were wearing, I mean, Russians are tough motherfuckers. I'll just say that right now because, you know, I want a bearskin rug. You know, that's how cold that is. And these guys are just wearing, like, you know, a military flak jacket. You know? Uh, well, not a flak jacket, but, I mean, an old military-style jacket. Um, but they weren't dressed very – yeah, I mean, look at that. Look at look at what the guy's wearing right there. That's just an old Army surplus jacket that any guy uh, could get from his grandfather, you know, World War II, Korean War veteran jacket. And that's what they were wearing. And they were out negative 12, negative 21 degrees Fahrenheit. That's an odd picture. What is that one? That was just creepy. Anyway, but uh, none none of the people there, I mean, you know, that's just one thing about Russians. Yeah, definitely. Russians Russians are some tough people, definitely. I mean, I'm just going by here. They're, They're saying now, Sean, another interesting thing. Is that the in the Zola Tarov's grave? They're asking who's buried there because DNA testing is proven that that's not even him. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, if I read and Michael scroll down there, the first DNA test results out, and they exclude kinship of the person laying in Zoltarov's grave was Zoltarov's niece. This is a huge implication on the case if. Simon Zoltarov is not buried at the cemetery in Yeskenberg, then who is and where did he go from the scene of the tragedy, or where did the body of Zipper go? I mean, it's just... How, how, do, how do we verify holy that? Holy shit. Well, that's what I'm... I'm going to read this here. Uh, there's actually some audio on it. 1962. I was just trying to... I guess they did some DNA testing on it at some point. I'm not sure. There's a whole bunch of pictures and shit, but uh, for the funerals, um, yeah, I don't know the verification. I was looking to see if there was any, and maybe if you see it or if Michael scrolls through there and sees it, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, wow, like I'm trying. I don't see where it talks about it other than. Well, that's the funerals. I don't want the funerals. I was actually looking for this DNA testing thing that I had just come across. 
Uh, <clears throat> then there's something about this boot rock. Uh, I don't even know what that's about. But uh, yeah, I saw. Yeah, I so saw much. that. It's just a. It's a natural rock that's there in that uh that that particular area, that actually uh you know it just lets you know that you you are near where they died, you know if you were to go there today. Michael is showing pictures of the body, on the uh, the bodies that were found, and how they were found. So that's something you could look at too if you're watching the live stream. Uh, you know, it's interesting that they actually kind of, released that. Yeah, and you know, people. I want people to know that when you listen to the radio version of this, you can go to the Dark Persuasions podcast page and, and watch the videos in the live feed as well, if it's easier for you to do. And so we we cater our audio to try to pacify the podcast format, but obviously we're going right. to. We're on so many going, different formats right now. We can't even keep up yes. with them all. Here we go. Huh. Uh, Here's okay. Here, uh, here's where we've got. Uh, before leaving for his last expedition, said to he Simon Volterov said to his students a mysterious statement. The whole world will talk about this expedition, and his words turned out to be prof- prophetic. So that was one of the things he said to his to his class. John was that this whole world would be talking about this expedition. Well, I think that was a coincidence. I don't. I, I don't think that he foresaw what was going to happen. I mean, it's well, such no, a strange incident. Okay, you asked me about the proof. So the purpose of the ex, ex, exhumation was: uh, is it this guy who is buried in the grave uh, under the monument to some of the research of the secrets of the dollar pass? I've asked questions for the. The condition of the body when discovered was in no condition to be identified. In addition, there's no reliable information that any of the relatives identified him. Um, a DNA test was that was administered uh, for the most mysterious member. And in fact, the issue, the fact, it issues uh, five sixteen twenty eighteen, and it did not come back to any of his relatives. So that that, that raises an interesting question. To me, um, Who, who's in the grave? Yeah, that's that's what I want to know. You know, uh, and why? Why? I mean, and and that's one of the things that they talk about too. Is is uh, it's just interesting to me that and this dude's wearing a shirt that I would wear like on a damn uh, <laughs> beach outing. Ew. You know, like did, yeah, let's get that off there. Uh, now, anyway, uh, I mean, it's it's interesting, and, you know, the official reports are always going to be more whatever. You know, Sean, we could do a whole right. show on 9-11, for that matter, and, and, and holy hell, will. I would have a, I have a whole yeah, plethora of information will. to talk about that. Yeah, I want to talk about loose change and all the different conspiracy theories that are going on with that. Uh, the birthers, the 9-11 movement. Uh, I want to talk about Alex Jones and his shit. Uh, but, yeah, look at that guy. Woo. Go back to that, Michael. Go back, go back, go back. Go back to that. Let me look at this. I mean, that doesn't show me a guy that's in fear. That shows me a guy that's frozen. But Yeah. I mean, that's another thing, too. When you look at 1959 forensics, 
how accurate were those scientific methods back in 1959 compared to 2020? I mean, we don't know. They didn't have DNA testing. They didn't have all the different things that they have now. Um, it was a lot of speculation. A lot of people were playing Sherlock Holmes. We just we we really don't know the misinformation that was given out, or maybe there wasn't any. Maybe it was all just thrown out there. This is these are the facts, and you have to figure it out. Well, and Sean, on this website, the dialatovpass.com, uh, the most recent edition was uh, July seventeenth of twenty twenty. Materials from right. the investigation were actually released. Uh, really, on here this. February 28, 1959. Ah, so this is it. Michael, if you wouldn't mind going to going to the uh, going to the uh, homepage and clicking on updates. Very interesting. They have a picture from February 28th of 1959 and they have a picture from March 18th of 2019 both showing the same location. Interesting. That is interesting. Uh, that's cool. That is neat. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures, like the tent, the prosecutor, the WAB. Yeah, all of this information is pretty neat. Um, I mean, you could spend um, decades is, just looking at all the information that's on here and probably never figure out what actually happened. It's, it's right. crazy. It's like JFK assassination. Yes, thank you, Sean, for giving me something else now. Damn it! <laughs> well, here no, but it's really cool. I mean, when my, when my wife suggested this, you know, I, I was like, kind of like, oh yeah, I remember that. And then we started looking into it, and, and we kept. I mean, you and I have gone back and forth all week long with different websites and podcasts and different things like that. And it's just never ending. And that's the coolest part about this is that like, you could probably spend a year or more just investigating this to see what actually happened. Yeah, exactly. And Sean, so here's, here's what I, let's, let's, uh, let's say next Sunday, we're going to talk about some of the Corona theories and, some of that, but here's what I'd like to do too, and, and, and I want the audience interaction. If you do listen to the show, I usually have what I call my fly on the wall theories, or, or fly on the wall, uh, whatever. Michael's heard it before. I, I want you to think about this all week long, Sean. Uh, I want. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do. If you can be a fly on the wall of any incident whatsoever, I want the five incidents that you would would could be a fly on the wall, meaning you would know everything everything to do with that event, no hindrance of any misinformation. You would get to witness the entire event. You would know the point blank fact. There's five of them that I have, and I want the audience to to that if they are listening to comment on the page. They're, they're the ones that they would like to know. Like, basically, my number one has always been the West Memphis Three. I would love to have been a fly on the wall to watch that, to see and know exactly what happened. JFK, 9-11, Jean-Benet Ramsey, O.J. Simpson. See, there's so many 
that you you know what I'm saying? We have an idea, but you know, I want to see, you know, what you would want to be. Now, I noticed, you know, you talk about the one there right before nine eleven. Um, and I, I don't ever put those into pers- into perspective. Right. <coughs> or that. I mean, that's six of mine. That's what. I, that that's what I would do. Those are the six that I would want to look at. See now, now I will mention. You know, I don't put anything relig- religious on there because you know it's it's one of those things where I don't really want to. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't really I don't want to know factually that if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> like. Not 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 for that reason. That doesn't change my right. belief system whatsoever. But like anything physically in this world, like like crime wise, you know, like uh, OJ and JFK. JFK well, would really be something that I would want to know. Okay, is it what the government, and the Warren Commission, told me it is, or is it right. what I believe it is? Right. Uh, the well, OJ the main case. Reason- are we? Are we wasting one on the OJ case? Because I think we know what happened. Right. I mean, the main reason why the main reason why I put the crucifixion on there was for Christians to believe that Christ was crucified like this with his arms straight out. Muslims believe that he was crucified like this. Right? If he was at all. So did Jehovah's Witnesses. So there's a whole bunch of different Theories that are out there If it actually happened I would like to see what actually happened For myself You know well, that's see, just and, me And one of, the, one of the things about the crucifixion That I've always heard Was that the symbolism of Christ Hanging from the cross in a normal I've always heard and in standard practice That they crucified you hanging upside down Right like That's Peter. what I'd always heard Yeah uh, But Honestly, like like the OJ case, for example, my theory on the and we'll get we'll we'll delve, we'll, we'll we'll compile our top five, mine, yours, and Michael's, and we will uh, we'll, we'll 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 take the, that's what we'll do next weekend. We'll take those five cases and give our theories on how what we think happened. But I think All in right. the OJ case, to kind of give a sport a teaser, is I really think that OJ there's evidence to prove that the dude was super jealous. Super jealous. I think right. that O.J. Simpson, I think Ronald Goldman returns those glasses back to Nicole who left him in the restaurant. And I believe that O.J. was coming by. He caught Ron Goldman over there, and maybe they were, maybe they weren't having any kind of relationship. O.J. got extremely jealous and in a fit of rage killed her and Ron Goldman uh, out of rage, and then fled, and the and and then the transpiring events of the Rodney King riots before you know two years prior, on top of the fact that Mark yeah. Furman, you know, said what he had to say. Uh, and and another thing, I, I'll go ahead and dispel this right now. I I, I wouldn't waste my one of my flies on the wall on Casey Anthony because I really honestly feel like. Casey Anthony. Here's right. my here's my theory on that, Sean. I want your opinion. Seriously, I feel like Casey Anthony had given her baby Xanax or whatever it was that she gave this child to help it to to make it sleep 
while she went out and partied. I don't think that Casey Anthony murdered her child on purpose. I think she administered the drugs to the child. The child overdosed on accident, and it was a cover-up because Casey Anthony panicked. Maybe, and, and, and you know, it seems that the uh, the father was involved with that whole with that whole story, um, because of the way that he reacted in court and different things. Um, I don't know. I mean, she was acquitted, so we'll never really know. I mean, that's the thing, you know, these mysteries that we just won't ever know. Did OJ do it? Did Casey Anthony actually do it? Who killed John Benet Ramsey? Who killed Tupac? Who killed Biggie? You know, these things are fucking killing me because I want to know how do we actually find out? We got people that say that they know, but we can't verify. Yeah, I can see that uh, Michael was just typing Tupac and Biggie. Um, The Patterson film. I want to know if the Patterson film was an actual hoax or not or if that was a real Bigfoot. There's another thing right there. You got... You have your five. You only get five of them, and that's what makes that kind of interesting. Is you have to pick and choose. Obviously, right. The West Memphis Three is going to be one of my top number, my top ones. And see, what I usually do, and this is how I do it, is I say, okay, you have five national, and you have five local. Can you say okay. that you could use your local on the West Memphis Three because we're local to the area of Arkansas, right? But 9-11 and JFK are going to be one and two for me. Uh, because mm. I, and I'm not, because I really want to know. Uh, I don't know, is the Martin Luther King assassination really something we, we you know what I'm saying? Because we already know it was, that that had to do with a problem, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if that, that's yeah, going to keep my interest there. But we don't know who actually did it. We just know that. You know, he was silenced because he was a card-carrying member of the the Communist Party at the time, and that he was inciting, you know, civil unrest. But we really don't know what happened. I mean, it's just Robert Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You know, I mean, uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. I'm sorry, John F. Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy. Who actually killed them? Why did they kill them? Uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., you know, that's another one. He died in that mysterious plane crash. Was he killed because he was starting to push for political innings? Who killed Epstein? Did Epstein kill himself? The Mina connection is another one. The Clinton Chronicles is one that I really want to know. And and, and, and like I said, we'll do our problem. That's what we'll do. Princess Diana, that's another one. So that's what we'll do Sunday. Basically, what we'll do Sunday is basically just take conspiracy theories across the board and briefly talk about them. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to know why my ex wife is over. I want to know why my ex wife's over at Michael's and she keeps won't shut the hell up. Quit barking, bitch. <laughs> that's terrible, dude. That's terrible. You shouldn't say that. I mean, have you met her? Come after you for more money. She already did. <laughs> yeah, but you keep talking about her. She's going to keep coming after you. That's terrible. Uh, statue of limitations is over. Whatever. <laughs> There's no statue of limitations on that shit, man. <laughs> no shit. But uh, no, I said I think that's what we could do is just 
you know, because I always wanted to do a show, uh, two, two shows that I always wanted to really cover, the anatomy of a conspiracy theory and then right. a conspiracy, and then the conspiracy theories that are out there. Obviously, there are certain conspiracy theories that take up a lot of time when you talk about them. Like the moon landing. Yeah, and, you know, if we have listeners that want to know, look, let's do that. Any lister that any topic, we'll talk about anything other than stupid documentary films that suck ass. <laughs> right. I mean, are there dinosaurs so, alive on the world today? Is creationism actually uh, a foundational thing that we should believe in? Is the world flat, or is it a sphere? There are so many conspiracy theories out there. We should just hit them one by one by one by one. You know. Yeah, and I mean, I really think that, uh, I think that, uh, so that's what we'll do. We'll compile, uh, we'll individually compile our five flies on the wall experiences from a national level, and we'll critique the ones that, that we have together. I think we're going to, by what we've been typing in here, other than like the crucifixion, I think we're going to be, you know, pretty much running parallel lines between each other on that one because, you know, uh, I, at one time, I really kind of felt bad for Scott Peterson, even though he's a piece. Well, and we could talk about Nostradamus too on one show because that motherfucker. I think you know, he's Scott a hit or miss Peterson, guy. Scott Peterson is a good one to actually look at because I lived in the Bay Area when that actually happened, and a lot of people think that he's innocent. Now, is he a piece of shit? Did he cheat on his wife? Yeah, he did those things. But did he kill his wife? The way that they said, hey, Scott Peterson was over here for 30 days. He was over here. This is the last place we know that he was at on that day. If I was the killer, where would I dump the body? Right where the news has been saying, this is where Scott Peterson was at for the last 30 days. Right? I mean, I'm not 100% convinced that he did that shit. Well, you know, but I'm, I'm I'm sort of convinced on the aspect of the boat, and they found the concrete and the DNA kind of implicated him. I mean, it's not that, but to me, that's one of those things where I'm going to take my chances that they got it right. Uh, the Casey right. Anthony thing, I'm going to take my chances that my theory is pretty pretty good. Uh, you know, but and that's another thing we can talk about on. And hell, y'all could even talk about it on American Idiots one day for just a discussionary period. Is these cases, these cases that we've gone through? Because when is the last time we've had a legit case? You remember? Uh, I was I watched almost every single minute of every single hour of testimony in the George Zimmerman case, the Jody Aries case, the Casey Anthony case. We haven't had a really good court case being publicly broadcast as it unfolded since what Jody Aries, you know, and, and those. No, are, you're, you know, you're, I remember you're, yeah, you're right about that. And Court TV is back on the air, by the way. If you haven't noticed that, uh, and it's on local television too. Uh, they they've actually been doing OJ25, which is the 25th anniversary of OJ Simpson. I've actually watched a couple episodes of that. I mean, you know, and it's one of those things like, you know, and I think that would be an interesting topic if you guys ever on AI wanted to get away from, you know, being getting away from 
the political scene for a minute. Talk about certain court cases that have happened and its impact on society, too. I mean, I remember following, watching Nancy Grace's opinion, Judge Janine back when she was on HLN. I mean, it's interesting. Right. I mean, I followed those cases religiously. Like, I, I, I hung on every word of testimony and watched and listened and formulated an opinion based on what I saw in the courtroom uh, on thing, how things transpired. And, you know, and, and, and that's another thing, too, you know, the court's overcharging. You know, I'm curious to see with the impact of, of the way this social system has gone, if they are right. going to allow the Chauvin court, court case to be broadcast on television because No, they won't do that. The, you don't think she'll be will. dead in a week or two. Yeah, she'll be no, dead I'm in talking, a week or two. I mean, No, I'm talking about the, 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 the cop in Minnesota. Do you think that they'll allow full disclosure in that case, considering how volatile that situation is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they probably—I don't know. No, they're not going. They're not going to let the, the the American public see that. Um, conspiracy theories involving Bin Laden not actually being the person that killed in 9/11. Uh, yeah, that's another one that we need to talk about too. Definitely. I just—I don't know. I, I mean, they—they they, they threw him off the ocean. Uh. I think they got him. I don't I think, think so. They got him. You don't think they got him? I, I think they got him. Where's the body? I think they got him. I really do. And I'm and you know me, Sean. I'm a oh, dude. I'm a 9/11er all day long. You know me. You know that I'm a 9/11 guy. That I do not think that that shit went down that way. But I really do. I think they got Bin Laden. I, I think that that. But but if you look at it, I mean that's an indictment on the on the president that was in office at the time, and and so I, I think that Obama would have been easily the one to, to be. Hey, here he is, got his ass. But maybe he wouldn't. Now, George Bush would have probably had the motherfucker in a chair beside him in the Oval Office with a Coors Light in his hand, going, "Hey, look, he's gone. I got him." Maybe. What is weekend at the W's? I'm, I'm oh. <laughs> I got it. No, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think that, I think that they, I think that they got him. I, th- I do, I really do. I think that that he was killed in that raid. There's too many, there's too much intelligence that was offered that they were there. Uh, yeah, but how many of those guys are dead now? How many are dead? Hell, I don't know. Are they dead? Like almost, Are they really yeah, dead? Yeah, almost the whole <laughs> Navy, almost the whole Navy SEAL team is dead. That was involved with that. Uh, that's another big part of the conspiracy. American sniper. Okay, first off, fuck that guy. He was a piece of shit, lying piece of shit motherfucker. And Jesse Ventura won that case because he's not a lying piece of shit. I hate Chris Kyle. So anytime you're going to bring up Chris Kyle, yeah, and his wife, his widow, fuck her too. Fuck that bitch. <laughs> well, shit. Go ahead and hate on me, America. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but no, and I mean, I don't even know if that's really a super conspiracy to me. I mean, that's more of a, yes, 
we lost the whole Republican <laughs> contingent. Yeah. But, uh, no, I was, I was a birther theory. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Was it was President Obama born in Hawaii or was he born in Kenya and all this other bullshit? You know, uh, that's something we should talk about, too. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I even give a shit about that anymore. I mean, it's, it's he's come and gone. He served his presidency. Nothing came to light about it other than a bunch of theories. Right. You know, I mean, he did what he did, and he's, you know, his policies are there, and, you know, I don't know. I just, it's going to be interesting. Well, the, 26, I, I, you know, the 2016 election, I mean, uh, and, and sorry, we're we're reading what, what our producer is showing on here. The 2016 election, I don't think was a stolen election, but I definitely think the 2000 election was. Well, and I'll say this, not even defending the president of the United States in the 2016 election. I think what you had in the 2016 election, I mean, because they've done probes and they have come with, I mean, I may be seeing the wrong shit, but I've never seen where solid concrete evidence or proof has showed me any kind of Russian interference that would be significant enough to to steal the election. I think what you see in 2016 is that, that... there was a contingency of silent America that spoke up loud and clear. Now, I've gone back, redacted some of my, my thinking process on this next election coming up in 2020 because one of my favorite conservative talkers is Ben Shapiro. And Ben Shapiro is now uh, talking about Biden's potential uh, election process. Now, a lot of the people that I talk to that are on the right uh, say that that uh, you know have no fear that the that the right that that the Trump support is going to be there in 2020. That it's uh, you know that what we're seeing is a bunch of guys that don't even vote, but they're giving an opinion when asked about who they would vote for. So we don't know about that. But now the 2000 election was something interesting to to go back and think about with the chads and stuff. But the 2016 to me was just was nothing more than than the birther theory presented against the, the, the victor in 2016. It was just a, a fucking, right. let's throw a spaghetti noodle against the wall. It didn't stick. And, and that's all, to me, that's what that was. Because I, I, I never saw anything, unless, then unless I'm mistaken about it, I never saw any conclusive evidence that said that, that it came through. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Shit, I don't know. Okay, so it's time for us to say goodbye on Blog Talk. Um, So we're going to go ahead and sign off on Blog Talk, and then we'll stay on live on the Steam. So uh, you guys need to come on and uh, join us again Sunday night at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. And we'll be back for Blog Talk Radio. And if you are watching us online, go ahead and switch over to StreamYard, and that's where we're going to be. Yeah, so just go to the Dark Persuasions page. We'll be there for sure. Uh, Yeah, definitely. So, Sean, I'm going to wrap it up myself here in just a few minutes, but I think that's what we need to do. Can you you hear me on this? No, my mic's muted. 